you're welcome to church. Praise God. We thank God for the gradual opening. And uh, permit me to say a few things. I was reading something somebody sent last night. I was like, yes, I hope we have learned that the church is not this thing, the building. This thing does not matter. These chairs don't. These big screens don't matter. It's we ourselves, we are the church. And God is trying to pass across that message and hoping that we get it this time around, that the church is coming back so that we can face our proper assignment. And what God is saying to the church globally is that, you know what? I've not called you to a social club. I've not called you to a party. I've not called you to a political party where you celebrate divisions and I'm in this person's camp and you're in that person's camp. We hope the church gets it this time around and we'll continue to pray that we all get it and get into the proper assignment that God has called us to do. Hmm. You know, before we got here, I was somewhere and somebody came to me and said, I was telling him where, I mean, what I'm doing and where I'm in that garden. Oh, yeah, you're in Pastor Fatokun's camp. Sorry, Pastor, I'm putting you on the spot. And I, I said, oh, oh okay, oh, yeah. So when I left, my spirit was hungry. Like you should have told him, you're in Jesus' camp, okay? But that spirit was wrong. I didn't pick it on time. I thought it was just joking. I'm not in Pastor Fatosun's camp. I'm in Jesus' camp. There's no division. But you see, it's a problem that has plagued the church and continues to plague the church. It continues. And that's why the gospel has been rendered by the devil ineffective. Because how will you pray together? How will you minister? Because the devil has put the barriers that the blood of Jesus has tried to put together. <laughs> and the devil came and put it there again. Like you guys think you are smart. The blood of Jesus took away the veil and everything. I'll put it back to you. You belong to that camp. You belong to that camp. Don't greet each other. Don't greet me. If you like it, don't greet me. I'll greet you. I'm in Jesus' camp. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So, we pray and hope because God has so many things for the church to do in this end time revival that is coming. You can see from what happened that the whole world is covered in darkness. And whether Jesus is coming next year or in 10 years' time, it's obvious there are plans underway. I don't know when. Nobody knows when. But you can perceive it. Everybody that has the Spirit of God can perceive it that something is going on in the spiritual. Amen. We don't know when, but it's looking like it. Everything the Bible is talking about is looking like it. If you read the book of Revelation, everything is coming out as it was said. I was reading somewhere in, 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 in Revelation, and I remember that scripture where it said, he gave life to the image of the beast. And my spirit said, that is AI, that is artificial intelligence, robots. And the Bible said that before. <laughs> he gave life to the image of the beast. He said, yeah, that's, that's what the Bible was saying. You know, when the Bible was talking about uh, metals flying in Daniel, it was talking about aircraft. There were no aircraft then. The Bible is complete. It spoke about the future expressly. He gave life to the image of the beast. It's going to happen. But, I mean, I'm not saying that robots are bad. They are being used to fight coronavirus in countries, and they're doing excellently well. But I'm saying 
that those things, they have their roles. Amen. So don't say I said robots are bad. No. Don't misquote me. <laughs> so I'm clarifying that. Hallelujah. So today we'll be talking about from pit to praise. Hallelujah. And there are lessons from the life of Joseph. I thank God for one of our brothers when he was leading prayer meeting in the morning one day. And he said it. He said, you know, lifting is not about your qualification and where, I mean, your antecedents or where you're coming from. Lifting has to do with God himself. It's not you. Lifting that, lifting is not promotion. I mean, that struck me. <laughs> it struck me. Like, lifting is not promotion. Lifting is God lifting you. We can see that in 1 Samuel 2, 8. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8. Let's see. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. So that means, amen, from the low, lowest of the low, he lifts and sets for the throne. Doesn't make sense, does it? No, because this is a beggar. They're not from the royal lineage. They're not from that dynasty, but God qualifies them for the throne. But that is God. But that is what lifting, in this month of our lifting, that is what God wants us to understand. That lifting is not about your antecedents. It's not about what you have. It's not about who you know. It's not about your bank account or whatever you think you have or your educational qualifications. Those things matter, but when God decides to lift, it's not because of that. It's, he has his own criteria for lifting. And what do we know about this? What do we know? Okay, before I go there, I'll read Psalm, Psalm 3, 3. Psalm 3, 3. Psalm 3, 3. Psalm 3, 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. It's all about God, period. Not about you. So, and what we know is that God is the lifter. It's not me, it's not you, it's not our uncle somewhere, it's not our connected politician somewhere. No, God is the lifter. God is the lifter. I remember we were going to uh, start our internships when we first became doctors in those days, and I applied somewhere, and then that place was a leading teaching hospital. And if you don't know anyone, you're not going to get in. So I applied. <laughs> Pastor knows. <laughs> so, and then uh, here comes my friend. He, he actually was the one who made me apply. Because, whatever, I wasn't going to apply. And then he said, no, let's apply. I said, okay, I will. I believe, let's just apply. And then he said, yeah, the governor actually told my uncle to apply, the premier of the province, because he has someone else, he's pen he has penciled his name for that list. Whatever, I don't care, I don't know the governor. So I, 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 we went and I obtained the, the, the form. So. The governor penciled his name. He showed me the letter, introducing him to the chief medical director. This is, these are my candidates, two of them. <laughs> so I obtained the form as well, like as nobody. So in the midst of that, we were trying to do other things. And then I forgot about it. And then here comes the list. Yeah, in that school, even the people who graduated, a lot of them were missing. Here comes my name, yeah. 
And how did that happen? Somebody told my brother, like, oh, no, I know someone somewhere who said, whenever I need help, let me just tell him about your brother. So give me the form. I don't know the person. I've never met them. My brother didn't even believe it. He submitted my form to that person. Whatever. And here comes my name. And my friend's name was missing. Oh, really? So the governor got so angry, called the CMD, lashed him, and told him a lot of bad words. <laughs> and then, like, the next batch, his name must be there. But what came to me to my friend was that, hmm, I think God is trying to teach you something. Because he too was distraught. Like, really? The premier? So, but promotion doesn't come because of who we know. Till tomorrow, I've never met the person who submitted my name. I don't know them. They don't know me. Amen. And so the people that I went to do the internship with were like, how did you get here? This one was the son of the chairman of the oil company in the country. This one was the son of the secretary of the state government. So it's all about that. How did you get here? I don't know. Do I care? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who put my name there. But I know it's God. Whatever. Hallelujah. Of course, you're going to get the treatment like you don't belong here. <laughs> but you tell them you belong here because the heart is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwell therein. My father is a poor teacher, so he doesn't know anyone. He's not a politician. It does not matter what your baseline is or was. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your baseline. It does not matter who you are. When God decides to lift you, he lifts and the promise of God to us is that it's lifting us. Amen. The other thing we know is that promotion cometh not from anywhere, but from the north. Amen. Psalm 75, 4 to 7. Psalm 75, 4 to 7. I said to the boastful, do not deal boastfully. And to the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Verse 5, do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck for exhortation. That's promotion. Comes neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. 7, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. That's God. So he does that so that we can fear him. That irrespective of our connections, irrespective of what we think we know or who we know, promotion does not come anywhere else from the north. You say, why the north? Yes, God resides on the side of the north. When you look at Psalm 68, it said, in the city, great is the Lord, great is to be praised. The city of our God is in the north side. God is from the north. <laughs> top, top, top. <laughs> promotion is from God. Hallelujah. There is a time of preparation and schooling for the throne. And that's the tough one. Because the Bible says God declares the end from the beginning. In the ancient times from things not yet done. Saying I will fulfill my counsel. So that's something somewhere in Isaiah 46. He knows the end from the beginning. So that's why we sang his God from beginning to the end. He knows what he wants to do with everyone. And that's why we cannot compare ourselves with each other because God knows each race, each race that we are running. 
and he knows each, the timing of everybody. He knows if I give this person this one this time, they are not ready for it. He prepares them for it tomorrow. So please tell somebody, whatever I don't get today is waiting for me in my future. It's waiting for me in my future. It's not gone yet. Preach it to someone. It's waiting for me in my future. Because there's a time of preparation for the throne. There's a time of preparation and schooling for the throne. And the preparations, for the preparations, tests are part of the preparations. And our testing is always made up of people, devil, and life events. The examiners, the people, <laughs> could be the brethren that God used to deal with you. <laughs> it could be the unbelievers. <laughs> but you see, we find it hard when it's the brethren that God is using to deal with us. Certain ways. And it could be the devil himself. Or it could be life events. Whenever God sends you a word of promise for lifting, get ready for tests. And your examiners are the people we previous, are the ones we previously mentioned. Get ready. You see, Joseph was a man with, you know, the father made a coat of many colors for him. But what happened? The coats were stripped off him. He was thrown into the pit. And that's where his journey began, from the pit to praise. From pit, of course, to Potiphar's house, from Potiphar's house to prison, from prison to palace, from palace to made Pharaoh, from Pharaoh he became the prime minister. But he started from that coat of many colors was stripped off and he was thrown to the prison. So there's always a time of shame before glory comes. So maybe you have had your coat of many colors removed. Maybe you find yourself in a situation where you felt, mm, myself, how can I be in this situation? God is trying to take you to that lowest level and preparing to launch you. It's not about, God is not finished with you yet. You could have been like, oh, I don't know how I find myself in this situation. Yeah, God allowed it. He might take you to the lowest speed, but it's the same one that's going to lift you. How did I find myself there? I can't believe it. God can decide to strip people of their coat of many colors. And say, so you see that coat? that looks so beautiful, that everybody sees, I'll take it off. i bring you to that place to start preparing you for the next level. So that's why, please don't give up because God is not done with you. It's not done. But you go through that process, tests, so many things coming around. And His grace is always available in those periods if we or you are sincere, and we don't deceive ourselves. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that no temptation take thee except that which is common to man, because God will always make a way of escape, as long as you are sincere with God, and you're not playing games. You might find yourself in temptations. It's the time you need money, and you have a property. That's when somebody will show up and say, oh, can I rent your property? But, you know, what I'm going to be selling there is going to be wheat and some other things. And I'll double your rent. So what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I've been there. So what do you think in that situation? You really need that money. 
So there will be temptations coming. The enemy will want to come and give you the alternative to destiny. Because God has his own agenda, but devil will give you an alternative. That if you do my own, if you bow down, I'll give you all these things. He did the same to Jesus. Told him, bow down. But Jesus knew. The cross is there. There's glory after the cross. No. So if we can do that to Jesus, will he not do that to us? To try to give us alternatives to our destiny? Will, not, will he not come to that lady that God is preparing for, for, for a special man and tell her, sell yourself. Sell yourself to cheaply. The devil does it so that they can miss their destiny. A lady that God is preparing as a queen, the devil will come to them. Sell yourself. What's the price? Name it. So that they can steal the glory away from her. We will not fall victims of such in Jesus' name. But that is what we say. Those are alternatives to destiny. Because the enemy will always come to kind of, through the corner, through the back door, steal what God wants to do. Give you alternatives. Test you. Tempt, try to tempt you. But the Bible says the grace of God is available. That no temptation take at you. But that, except that which is common to man. Hallelujah. Joseph was tested. Was tempted. Tested. Mrs. Potiphar. Tried. But you see, I remember someone saying some, something somewhere about 10 years ago. That you see, it's better. It's better to run out naked than to sell your destiny. You see, running out naked, like, help me, and then you are blamed. It's better for you. Let them shame you than sell your destiny. Because he was shamed. He could have cooperated. He was, he was uh, blackmailed. He could have cooperated. Like, you know what? Drink juice with Mrs. Potiphar. Enjoy yourself. Sell your destiny. Name your price. But he ran out naked. His nakedness was exposed. He was shamed. He was, you know, they did everything to him. But it's still better to be naked, to be shamed, than to sell your destiny. Because if he had done that, that would have been the end of that journey. So it's better to come out naked, like help me, than to sink and sell your destiny. That's one lesson we learn from this man. The other thing we know is that carryovers in God's testing for preparation are allowed. People can fail a test. That's not the end of the world. God is the God of second chance. You know, God, I messed up here. I was given this chance. You know, mess up. Does that mean that God is done with you? No. Absolutely no. God is a God of second chance. Okay? So carry over us. But you know what? He will bring another one to test you in another way. Somebody said, I keep meeting the same set of people everywhere I go, in the same church. And God's like, yeah, yeah. The other people you met, I was using them to train you patience and you never learned. So I'll bring more. You get to the next church, I'll bring the worst one. <laughs> Amen. So because if you don't plan to fail, because if you fail the test, you don't know your next examiner. It might be the worst one. <laughs> it might be a wicked examiner. So it's better we surrender to him 
and submit to him whenever he makes us to understand that we are going through a process. Because if we carry that over, we don't know who the next examiner will be. Might be tougher. Amen? God won't give up on you if you don't give up on him. He doesn't give up on people. He gives them chances because he said it. He knows the end from the beginning. He wants that end for us. So he keeps giving the chance. Like, oh, he didn't do well here. I will arrange another one. Might take a while, but arrange another testing or whatever to align the person in line with what I want. And talking about the man Joseph, what did we see from him? What did we see in him? He loved God. Those are the things that saved him. When he was with Mrs. Potiphar, his fear for God. You can't love, you can't love God without uh, uh, having his fear in you. He feared God. He loved him. And if you listen to what he said, yeah, he said it. Talked about God first. He's thinking about God. Like, how will I do this thing, this wickedness before God? He feared him. He lived a life of love and faithfulness. Faithfulness to his master was demonstrated. How will I do that to my master? He's given me everything. That's why the Bible says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Love, faithfulness. And that's how he dealt with his brethren as well. Because sometimes, these things are real. When you find yourself among siblings, and they treated you badly, how do you deal with it? There was a day I was thinking, how did Mrs. Joseph handle his siblings? Like, really, you guys? You? I feel like looking for a shotgun and dealing with some of them. <laughs> like, really? You wanted to kill him? But he lived a life of love and faithfulness. He loved righteousness. That's why the Bible was saying it in is it Hebrews 1 or 2, where it said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of thy kingdom is the right scepter. Because thou loved righteousness, and you ate that wickedness. Therefore, Lord, your God has anointed you with the oil of godness above your fellow. Loving righteousness is one of those things that God looks for to put people on the throne. When you love righteousness, irrespective of what you go through, you still stick to love and faithfulness. You loved righteousness. And you eat wickedness. He was talking about Jesus in that passage. But exactly what God looks for. Are you a lover of righteousness? Do you love righteousness? Or do you celebrate iniquity? Some people celebrate iniquity. They celebrate it. When something bad happens. Oh, oh yeah, have you not heard? <laughs> that brother. That sister. That man of God. That's what he's doing. They're happy. It's not like they are saying it from the heart of, they are not sorrowful about it. They are enjoying it. And they want to tell you. And that's a lover of wickedness. And God searches the heart. He knows. And that's why what you don't celebrate, people don't get it. The anointing, they degrade, they will never get it. It's true, those people messed up, but they won't get it as well. Because God won't give it to them. You have to love righteousness. And what did Joseph do again? He refused to dwell in the past. He refused to dwell in the past. That was evident when he met his brothers and he was, you know, he, he kind of revealed himself to them in Genesis 45, you know. 
he revealed himself. And, you know, what did he do? He told them what God brought him to do. He understood his mission clearly. Let's look at it. Let me see. Genesis 45. 45. I'll read one. He said, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father, I mean, does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near me, near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now, do not therefore be grieved or hungry with yourselves, because you sold me here, and for God sent me before you to preserve life. He was not, I mean, he wasn't kind of unsure of what God was doing. He said it, God sent me here to preserve life. And verse 7, he said it, and God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the half and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Verse 8, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler through all the land of Egypt. Amen. So he wasn't confused about what happened. He kind of told them his mission statement. And that's why he didn't, you know, refuse to dwell in the past. He said, you are not the ones that sent me here. It was God that sent me here. He wasn't blaming them oh, for what happened. Oh, it was even for those guys. All things work together for the good of those that love the law and for them that are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. So he refused to dwell in the past. And that's one thing we're learning from this man. That you see, when God lifts us up, we will not dwell in the past. We don't have to dwell in the past. People will have done us wrongs. People will have, you know, when I read that psalm last week, Psalm 6, when he said God brought us 66 or somewhere or 68, that God let people ride over our backs. Exactly. People rode over his back. People made him nothing. They trashed him. But, you know, but when God now brings you to a wealthy place, he lifts you up, that's not the time to start looking for vendetta. That's not the time to start now, kind of sit down in your quiet room and start ruminating and meditating on how bad they were and to start crying and thinking of what can I do to deal with these guys, to prove that now I'm a, I've arrived. No. You leave that to God. Joseph didn't do that. But what did he do? When you look at 44, he tested them, and that was okay. He was just trying to, when he put things in their sack and whatever, and asked them to bring Benjamin and wanted to hold Benjamin and told them, if I'm going to hold Benjamin because he's the one that took this silver cup or whatever. What was he doing? He just wanted to see whether their heart is still as wicked as it was before, that they will, probably they would be ready to treat his brother as well. Like, oh, who cares? Let's treat Benjamin too. After all... <laughs> Joseph was dead. That's before he revealed himself. So he was trying to test them. Like, before I relate with these guys again, let me test them. Let me test them. So he tested. That's not a crime to do, to test people, to find out. It's true, they did you harm. Forgive them. But that doesn't mean that they tried to cut your neck 
last time and God saved you, you go and put your neck there again for them to cut it second time. No, God didn't teach us that. So he was testing them. Would they be willing to sell my brother too? But they said, oh no. They were swearing, they were crying, they, like we can't do this. Okay, now he was sure that their heart has changed. Because a lot of times, <laughs> because we think people, people might change. So we don't want to relate with them based on where they were before. And the people that you know that were, you know, whatever before, who knew who they are now? If you've seen somebody more than 10 years, you don't know who they have become. It's difficult. Like a man of God was saying, he said, no, I have to check you and be sure. Not that I have a spiritometer, but I have to be sure we are still on the same page. Bro, <laughs> I will see. <laughs> the people that will go baptize and the Holy Ghost together, yes, fine. It's been several years, but honestly speaking, I will not deal at the same level because I have to know where they are. Like, not that I'm better or whatever, but I have to know that they are still as simple as they are in their Christian race and they are doing what they are supposed to do. They still believe the Bible as simple as I believe it. Not that they are complicated and tell me, according to one encyclopedia, the Bible is not actually true. I have to be careful. <laughs> so you have to be sure where they belong to. That's what David, um, Joseph did. He tested them. He saw their heart has changed before he revealed himself. And that's okay. Hallelujah. So he's somebody who always acted and lived in the future. And that's what he did. He, that's why God helped him to be able to interpret dreams. He was able to help Pharaoh and to give him in, insight into what is going to happen. He was not looking at the present. When, when, all the time he was in Potiphar's house, he was dedicated, he was committed, living the life as somebody that believes that one day, all those people that he said they're going to bow to him, they're still going to bow. Because he's not the one that said it, it's God that said it. So he lived that life. He never gave up. Because a lot of times the enemy comes to you, and because we look at our present, he tells us, forget it. Everything that God has said about you is not true. Look at your present situation. This doesn't look like what God is saying. And I tell you, sincerely, people of God, whenever God speaks, your present situation will never look like it. Otherwise, it's not God. Forget it. If God is speaking and you're already like, oh, yes, I know. Oh, yeah, it's not God speaking to you. Your life must be the opposite of the whole thing. And then you're like, oh, wow, are they talking to me? Okay, maybe. <laughs> because I don't know. Uh, Charles and Francis Hunter, the people who, who did this uh, global healing crusade, and they were having creative miracles, and people's arms were going out, amputated in the 70s. The first person they prayed for died. You might find themselves, oh, the first business you did crumbled. But that doesn't mean that God is not taking you <laughs> into a higher level. But so that's why we, we, we cannot allow the enemy to keep us in that pit. Because God is lifting us from pit to praise. But it's a process. It's a process. I remember when things were so rough and like I was saying last Sunday, and then God gave that word, and I shared with another brother, oh, thank God, God gave me a word now, and I believe that's over. He laughed. He said, maybe that's the beginning of your troubles. He said, God, God punished the devil. How can you say that? <laughs> and he was right. It was just starting. It was a process that God was just starting. But because I got that word out there, I said, oh, thank God. That's the end of all these troubles. I'm done. So <laughs> he laughed. He said, maybe you're just starting. It's a process. But we'll go through. Grace will be available for us in the name of Jesus Christ. For anyone that might be going through any pit situation, in one way or the other, God is saying to us, he hasn't done, he's not done with us yet. He's not done with us yet because our present situation does not determine where he's taking us to. 
but he's going to take us through processes that his faithfulness and love will take us through in the name of Jesus Christ. Conclusion. God is a lifter. He is a lifter. And at the same time, he can also bring down. We read it. He's a lifter, but at the same time, he can bring down. We don't want to pay attention. We don't want to ignore the other side of God. He can also bring down. And that's why. But he's interested in the prosperity of his people. Like he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thought I have towards you. Thought of good and not of evil. So he's not thinking, he's not wishing to bring you down. That's not the agenda of God. So his thought towards you are that of peace, good and not of evil. But it's very important that submission, we submit to him and walk in humility because those things are quite critical to our lifting. Like James 4, 6 to 7, what does it say? James 4, 6 to 7. James 4, 6 to 7. He said, boy, gives from verse 4. Can we go from verse 4? Uh, adulteress and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, yes, jealously, but he gives more grace to the humble. Therefore, he says, okay, God resists the proud, but give grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, submission to God. Submission. Because there are a lot of times the processes it takes us through, we don't understand it. But it will help us when we submit to his process to take us through those processes because it's preparing us. But you know, a lot of times we, we draw the submission because we feel we don't even know what God is planning to do. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to us. So there comes the submission. And that's when David was talking about he has learned not to exercise himself in matters that are too wonderful for him to comprehend. I can't remember Psalm 131 or thereabout, that he's like a wind child in the hand of his mom. Like, submit. Just let God have his way. And then, humble yourself and he will lift you up. That's what the Bible says. And one last thing I picked up from Joseph. I heard an elderly person talking to a younger person. The younger person got to a place of destiny and was open to go and, you know, greet the family members and, you know, whatever they were yearning to see him. And the elderly person told him, uh, every time he has done that, tried it, he always meets a resistance of not showing up. And the elderly person told him, have you considered Joseph? Why did he not show up to his dad as soon as he became prime minister? At least what you expect is that he should, as soon as Pharaoh made him prime minister, he should go with 10 or 20 chariots and show up in Canaan and say, hey, my father, I've arrived. Did he do that? He never did it. So the older person told the younger person, did you see that? Lesson for you. If God is resisting you from showing up, he has a reason. He's keeping you. That don't show up. Let God announce you. Hallelujah. Shall we be on our feet? I want us to talk to God this morning. The Lord, irrespective of the situation I find myself, I know you are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. Lord, I receive grace to go through 
Whatever I find myself, whatever I'm going through, whatever is before me that is still coming, I receive grace to go through. Because I know that your thoughts towards me are the thought of peace and not of evil to give me that expected end. I want you to talk to God today and go before him in surrender. That Lord, I surrender to your process. I surrender to your process. I surrender to everything that is your process. And I resist the devil in any way the enemy has been interfering in my journey to destiny. Lord, I resist him. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. You submit to him. Submit to God. But resist the devil. That in any way that the devil has been having his hand. I command him to lose his hold. Over every area of my life and destiny. Be it my business. Be it my marriage. Be it my, my home. Whatever it is. Devil, lose your hold. Over this. In the name of Jesus. I submit myself to every process of God. In the name of Jesus. I want you to talk to God. That Father, help me. That I will not abort your process. Help me that I will not abort your process. In the name of Jesus Christ. Help me that I will not take the alternative to my destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ. Help me that I will not take the alternative, the devil's bait, to my destiny. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That in any way that the enemy has been tempting me, in any way that the enemy has been giving me alternatives to my destiny. Father, I receive grace. I receive grace because the Bible says, no temptation taketh man. Take it me except that which is common to man. That you are going to provide a way of escape in any way that the enemy has been coming after me. Lord, to give me an alternative. Father, I submit to you and I resist the devil. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I submit to you and I resist the devil.